You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Good, everybody. Welcome to another edition of The Look Ahead, part of the SB Nation NFL show. I am Rob Stats Guerrero from Niners Nation. And with me, as always, on Thursdays from Blogging the Boys, not human person, RJ Ochoa. Yo, Stats, what's going on? Pleased to be with you. Always a great time here. Um, tied for the best show here on the SB Nation NFL show, The Look Ahead is. Uh, really enjoyed this week's episode of The Oddcast. You've been on your game this week. Um, and I really, I just want you to know, I feel like I have to go like above and beyond to compliment you right now because I feel like I really dogged on the 49ers on Monday Football Monday. And like you might be in a bad mood to start things off in this particular conversation. I am in a great mood and I call you a non-human person because of what we're going to do today. And before we Mm. get into that, remember, rate, review, subscribe. We do appreciate it. They do help. So please keep those coming. Aaron Rodgers is hosting Jeopardy this week. So we got a little inspired and we thought we would do a Jeopardy episode. And it was actually your idea, RJ, to do a Jeopardy episode, which I was 100% on board with. And then over the Slack chat, you basically were like, what's Jeopardy? You had never seen an episode of Jeopardy before this week. So there's a confluence of emotions happening for me here. Um, Number one, you've kind of added me as this like super basic person, right? Like, because I'm just like, what's the cool thing? Let's do the cool thing, right? Like, so right now, Aaron Rodgers hosting Jeopardy is the cool thing. Um, You're right. I had prior to Monday, I had never seen an episode of Jeopardy. And I here's the thing, Stats. I like to think that I'm good at my job. If you want to agree, that's up to you. Um, I have watched the Aaron Rodgers hosted Jeopardy episodes specifically because you never know what you're going to get a piece of content out of. So I'm just waiting for the the moment that Aaron Rodgers bags on the Cowboys because he has more (laughs) than enough reason to. Um, And the thing that sucks is, A, I have to sit here and take the, the slings from you because Actually, a really fine show, Jeopardy. I don't know what I was missing out on. Yeah, this um, just in. I know. But number two, Aaron Rodgers is delightful as a as a host. And it sucks. Like, I mean, as somebody who's been burned by him like so many different times, he just can never give me a reason to like justify my hatred for him. And so like it really sucks, but I've learned a lot of things. Um, and I have felt really smart because I've known a lot of the answers so far. Congratulations to, at the time of you and I recording at least, Brendan, who has won all three days that Aaron Rodgers has hosted. Spoiler alert. Uh, but yeah, I, I mean, I my only regret, I suppose, is not having gotten into Jeopardy earlier in life. I cannot believe that you had never seen an episode of Jeopardy. You're like the only human on the planet. I mean, you've heard the Jeopardy music, right? So that's funny that you mentioned that. I've I'd heard that music obviously, like at different points in life. I had no idea that it was from Jeopardy. Like, <laughs> like when I saw the, the first episode on Monday, and they they got to final Jeopardy, I was like, "That's the song!" Like I've heard that song a thousand different times. So that was really cool. I was having, um, you know, we're recording on Thursday mornings, you know, peek behind the curtain. But on Wednesday night, like because my my brain was was moving stats. And I realized, have you ever thought about this? There is a finite value in terms of like maximum earnings that you could possibly yield in an episode of Jeopardy. Do you know what it is? I don't know what it is, but there has to be a maximum value because you could only bid double for the daily doubles and final Jeopardy. You could only wager what you have. So even if you get every question right, it's got to be what, 175,000, something like that. So if you you would have to win, obviously, every single question and you would have to obviously get them all right Um, and you would have to hit all the daily doubles and all of the doubles would have to be in the first row for the minimum values because you don't get the value associated to that card you know what i'm saying like if, if the double's on 200 you just get the value that you wager and and the the overall yield you don't get the 200 that that car was so gotcha. like like stars would have to align in a specific fashion and then you would have to wager everything obviously every time five hundred sixty six thousand four hundred dollars is the maximum possible quantifiable value in a game of jeopardy you know my jeopardy theory don't you i've said for years 
They should put Jeopardy on the radio. Oh, put it on the radio. You don't need to see the Trebek or Raren Rogers or whoever reads the clues. You don't need to see anything. Put it on the radio. People would love to listen to Jeopardy in traffic. Man, that it would make such a great podcast. Like to stick here in our world that we're operating in right now. That is such a great theory, Stats. Wow. How long have you been you've been holding on to this? I've been telling anyone that will listen to me. <laughs> Unfortunately, no one ever listens to me. So here we are. You're stuck watching it on your TV like a pilgrim. Well, um, it's it is I don't know. As somebody who like came to Jeopardy later in life, there is like a, a calming sense to it in that it is so, and I mean this as a positive thing, it's so like basic and it's so, you know, simple. It's so calm. It, it's just, it's really, really appealing if you want to sit back and relax and watch some television. It's also on Netflix if you want to catch up on old episodes. So figure that out. All right. Let's get started. We have a bunch of Jeopardy questions that pertain to the 2021 season. I made some categories. You made some categories. Question the first, RJ. This single season record will fall in 2021. Mm, Now, do you know who holds the record as of this moment, Stats? It's one of your favorite wide receivers in the NFL, really in NFL history. Um, You were the only person who had the take, and I think it was was bold of you, um, but when Calvin Johnson was announced as a member of the Pro Football Hall of Fame class of 2021, you said, no, it's too early. Shouldn't be a first ballot Hall of Famer. Totally different subject there. Don't want want to open that can of worms again. Uh, But it was in 2012 that Calvin Johnson surpassed your boy, Jerry Rice, 1,964 yards. That is the single season record that I believe will fall more than anything because we now have a 17th game. And this is going to be a reality for a lot of different records. Over time, I don't know that they will all fall in 2021, but you add another game. You think, you know, somebody like a Michael, like, you know, Michael Thomas goes on a run that they've been on. Like certain players get hot. And I, I could definitely see that happening this season. I'm sorry, you did not answer in the form of a question. Oh, God, I'm new at this. Uh, uh, what is Calvin Johnson's single season receiving record? There we go. First one we did, man. Come <laughs> hey, on. Hey, we set the, the the stage. I'm new at this. I mean, you know, if if I had been on the game show, I'm sure Alex would have been kind. You know, you know, may he rest in peace. Aaron would have been kind. You know, hey, you know, we're warming up here. But that is the record that is going to fall this season. That is a logical, reasonable take. The receiving records are going to fall because it's a passing league. And I, honestly, I think we're in an era of quarterbacks now where it's it's a golden era. Look around the league. Almost every team in the AFC seemingly has their quarterback, and they're all pretty damn good. I agree with you. I think a receiving record was a smart choice. Unfortunately, you picked the wrong receiving record. Oh, you're going the for correct answer. What is the tight end single receiving record? single season receiving yardage record. Oh, and re- that record's meaningless. The reason I say that is because it has fallen three times in the past four years, because don't forget when George Kittle set the record, Travis Kelsey actually broke the record before Kittle did in the same season. So that record went down twice that year. And then Kelsey broke the record again. It's at 1,416 yards. I absolutely think that record is going down. Could go down from Kittle. Could go down from Kelsey again because he seemingly just catches everything in Kansas City there. Or it could be somebody new. Hell, it could be Kyle Pitts. Who knows? Mm, Okay. Uh, Well, that's a nice segue. Um, I'm going to go ahead and and just kind of – this is kind of obvious, I think, what my answer is here. But this rookie will have made the Pro Bowl during his first season in the NFL in 2021. Who is Kyle Pitts? That's my answer. Yeah, I think it's it's a lot of this is fascinating because it depends on where these players end up. So this is an interesting exercise. But if Kyle Pitts does wind up on the Miami Dolphins, I think he's he's got because we this is Pro Bowl. This isn't an all pro selection. So there's name value. There's there's, you know, big time team association here. There's also, you know, alternates. And obviously the Pro Bowl was kind of weird this past season. But I think Kyle Pitts is honestly of the entire, you know, incoming rookie class, the safest possible player to pick. And I think that there's a chance because he plays tight end that he might fall a little bit lower in the draft, maybe towards the back end of the top 10. And of course, as you go around the draft, the teams get better and better. So that'd be good for him in terms of, you know, production and making the Pro Bowl. I I think, you know, it's hard to make the transition to tight end in the NFL, but I think they're going to use him more as a wide receiver than an inline tight end anyway. And I just think that the overall tight end depth in the league 
is kind of shallow right now. You've got Kelsey, who's great. Kittle, who's great. Darren Waller. That's it. That's it. Like, John, John o. Smith, maybe, if that if that materializes. Right. So his competition that he's going to be up against is not really, you know, that great. All those guys can make the Pro Bowl and, and Pitts could still make it himself. So I, I think that that was an easy one for me. This isn't a category, but when is the last time that a player like Kyle Pitts, you know, immediately upon being drafted was top five at their position? That's a really rare thing. Quentin Nelson. That's a really good answer. It's that's a hard answer to disagree with. I I think you could also say Ezekiel Elliott. And we're just talking about like with regards to their position, not like, you know, not value within the entire team. Um that that might be my my answer. Those are two good ones. I agree. But yeah, it's rare and and he very well could do that. Um I'm I'm fascinated to see where he go. I hope he doesn't go to Atlanta. Don't go to Atlanta. End up with like Put him in like the what's the best possible landing spot for him? I actually wrote something about this at blogontheboys.com, but it was with the Cowboys slant. It was the the best non-Cowboys place for him. And I picked the Miami Dolphins. Um, A, because that is the pick that the Philadelphia Eagles had. So it'd be hilarious to think like you could have had this like generational tight end. Um, B, because the Miami Dolphins host the New York Giants this season. So that helps the Dallas Cowboys out, obviously. Um, C, he's in the AFC. Um, D, I feel like we as a collective NFL society are going to soon peer pressure the Dolphins into returning to their great uniforms the way we did the Buccaneers. And so I want to see I want to see Kyle Pitts end up somewhere with a great uniform. I'm sorry to the Falcons fans, but they don't have one anymore. Um, And so those are really my reasons. But the Miami Dolphins, you know, the rumor is that Jerry is enamored with Kyle Pitts. How would you feel about that? If the Cowboys took him? Yep. Honestly, like th- this is a real thing here. If Kyle Pitts is on the board and the Cowboys don't take him, they're stupid. He's there's no possible. This is this is a we've been talking about this at Blogging the Boys shows how much you listen stats. Uh, but I mean, it, he is without question the best possible player on their board. If 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 he falls, if he's on the board at ten, if he's naturally there with their pick at ten overall, there is nobody who is conceivably going to be better than him. And so you don't. I, I don't believe you pick a defensive player just because you say, well, we we need defensive help. I mean, you lean into the best player available strategy. Had the Cowboys, you know, focused on an area of need last year with the 17th overall pick, they would have taken Caleb on chase on the Jacksonville Jaguars edge rusher instead of CD lamb. And so like you take the future hall of famer, you figure it out, you make it work, but you don't deny the talent in the name of need. Wow. I'm stunned to hear you say that. I would, I don't know if I agree with you on that, especially at tight end. You know, like he's a tight end. George Kittle's awesome. And the 49ers have lost double digit games more often than not with George Kittle. Like how much do they really help, especially when your offense is stacked like the Cowboys? I'll say this, and I don't want to like venture too deep into Cowboys weeds, but the Cowboys, when they drafted CD Lamb, the immediate, you know, kind of cry from people was, okay, never abandon 11 personnel, right? Like just because now you have three wide receivers that are amazing. Well, if you draft Kyle Pitts, all of a sudden 12 personnel is available to you because you can utilize him. They found Dalton Schultz to be a legitimate tight end last year. Blake Jarwin tore his ACL week one, so they have options there. Dalton Schultz, for what it's worth, is in a contract here, and so is Michael Gallup. And that's the biggest kind of domino effect here. If you draft Kyle Pitts, suddenly your kind of time frame of your offensive nucleus is very different outside of Dak Prescott, and you need it to be. And so, like, we as Cowboys fans, we're petitioning the team. If you draft Kyle Pitts, trade Michael Gallup. I mean, you know, and a a hypothetical, trade him to the Baltimore Ravens, right, who came up empty in free agency. They hold the 58th overall pick. The Cowboys already hold the 44th overall pick. So, like, my dream scenario is Kyle Pitts falls to the Cowboys at 10. They move Michael Gallup to Baltimore for the 58th overall pick. Caleb Farley is falling because of the medical situation involving his back surgery. The Cowboys take 44 and 58 and jump back late into the first round, walk away still with a legitimate starting premium cornerback, albeit with a bit of a question mark. And that way, you know, you kind of get the best of both worlds. And Michael Gallup gets an opportunity to shine elsewhere. Good thing we didn't get too deep into the Cowboys weeds. <laughs> I think you're up for the question uh, or category, whatever you want to call it. I'm, I'm, I'm the rookie here, so I'll, I'll defect to you, Stets. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. 
Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. All right. Well, we talked about rookies. How about this? This team will make the playoffs after watching the postseason on the couch in 2020. Stats, I'm sorry that I have to do this to you. But again, it is my job to make things all about the Dallas Cowboys. And so therefore, who are the Dallas Cowboys? I think... Objectively speaking, of all non-playoff teams last year, they are the best candidate to return, especially when you factor in the quality of their division. I was going to, yeah, I think I I was going to disagree with you, but the division is a key. They play in the weaker conference by far. Um, I know that their defense has problems, but Dak is coming back. He was rolling before he went out with the injury. Uh, that's a solid pick by you. I can't disagree, although I did not pick the Dallas Cowboys. And I did not pick the San Francisco 49ers, because I know you know, or you think that's where I'm going. It's I know not where I'm going. I know who you picked. Who did I pick? You picked the New England Patriots. Who are the, the Los Angeles Chargers? Well done. That's a great pick. I have, I have zero problems with this. It's a great pick. I, just To me, it's easy. Herbert is, the elevator is going up on him. They have a new head coach that's not a popsicle in Brandon Staley. His clock management has to be better than Anthony Lynn's. It just has to be. The roster is stacked. I know they play the Chiefs twice a year. That's tough. The Raiders are no pushover, but I'm, I'm buying all in to the LA Chargers right now. I agreed with you and BLG both on the oddcast and kind of smashing the over on them. Would you say that Corey Lindsay was the greatest, when you factor in the purpose for his team acquiring him, was the greatest free agent signing, or really, honestly, greatest offseason acquisition that any team made, because he elevates Justin Herbert. Yeah, it's it's close. It's up there. No one's going to say that, but I agree with you. He helps the run game, and he helps your most important asset. They are leaning into Justin Herbert, which is exactly what they should be doing. To your point, it won't get the same pub or like pomp and circumstance, but I really think it is akin to the Buffalo Bills acquiring Stephon Diggs last year. Like it, it, it's the final Infinity Stone type effect for your young hotshot quarterback. So congratulations to the Los Angeles Chargers. Stats is all in. I mean, I've been all in. So welcome to the brigade uh, here. But, you know, we appreciate you. OK, Stats, um, I am super excited about this. Um, this coach was the first one fired in the 2021 season, or will be the first one fired in the 2021 season. Who is Matt Nagy? Ooh. State your case. I, I mean, my case is the photo they tweeted out, what, like a week ago of Andy Dalton that says QB1? Like, I am not buying into Matt Nagy. The Bears just cannot get it right. He's already on thin ice. The owner's ownership has basically said he's on thin ice. And they, with with everything in the world, every reason in the world to go out and make a bold move at quarterback, they went with Andy freaking Dalton. How is that going to be good? I just, you have a staple NFL franchise and there's just no juice with this team. There's nothing there. And Chicago, by the way, is a Bears town. Like people forget because they really haven't been good for so long. Even when Jordan was there with the Bulls. It's a Bears town. Ditka ruled that town. They got to get back to that. They got to get back to some juice. There's nothing there. Nagy's going to be the first one gone. I had a tweet on Monday night. Um, there was a big deal about Baylor winning the national championship. First time in, in school history. The Baylor Bears won a national championship in men's basketball before the Chicago Bears ever had a 4,000-yard <laughs> passer. Like, think oh. about that. That's nuts. Um, I agree with you uh, completely. And, like, you can we've seen this movie before, right? Like kind of dysfunctional NFL franchise that hung on and like th- you can see this coming a mile away, right? Like you can see the like October headline when when Chicago's like oh and six 
and you know, or one in five, and it's like really bad. And Matt Nagy has like one of those Adam Gase pressers where it's like, <sighs> you know, and you, he just it looks like a like a worn down man. And and then and then they fire everybody, and it's we're committed to the future, and everybody's saying like, why did you waste all of our time here? You know, you're just treading water. Like we've seen this movie before, so I agree with you. But I will offer and 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 off, offer this and saying who is Zach Taylor? And I've kind of danced around this theory before. But I believe if you are a head coach in the NFL stats and you land the number one overall pick and or rather if you enter a situation where you have the number one overall pick, if you're not going at it in, in lockstep, Zach Taylor's Bengals sucked, got the number one overall pick, took Joe Burrow. That is a kiss of death. I really believe that for an NFL head coach because I could see the Bengals struggling and they were like Joe Burrow was kind of, you know, breathing life into them. But they really were struggling early on in the season. And Zach Taylor is not the offensive wizard that other people associated with Sean McVay have turned out to be. And so I think you could totally see the Bengals brass saying, you know what? We cannot waste th- this rookie contract, this this timeline where Joe Burrow is on cheap money. We're going to fire Zach Taylor. We're going to let Joe Burrow continue to learn. And then next year, we're going to get our guy. We're going to get our, or our actual Sean McVay. And so I think Zach Taylor is on thin ice. I mean, the Bengals have really been bad, and they seemingly are committed to a lot of change in in some respect. They're changing their uniforms, um, and I don't know if you saw this stats uh, on the morning we're recording Thursday morning. The Bengals announced they're adding a Ring of Honor to their stadium. Welcome to <laughs> welcome to 2021. Um, but I mean, I I just I would I I agree with you, Matt Nagy's the the heavy favorite, but Zach Taylor is right behind him. You're dead on. I mean, he's six twenty five and one with Cincinnati. He did double his win total, but it's dicey. In fact, there was a, they had to make an announcement in January that he was going to be back. So that tells you right there the kind of thin ice that he's on. I can't remember. I'm trying to look up his contract because I will say that Bengals oh, right. does not like to pay coaches to not work. So that's the only thing that might save him. But I agree, like unless Burrow comes out and and even if they don't necessarily win, I think. But if he looks really, really good, maybe they keep him. But that's a that's a solid pick by you. I'll tell you an underrated one, like super, you know, these are long shot odds would be a great, you know, wager if you wanted to take it. Who is Cliff Kingsbury? Same thought about that. Same situation where, you know, you're running out of time. And I, I think that the moves the Cardinals have made have kind of like in a weird way. And I know you'll agree with this added to this like ridiculous hype where now people are like, we're an NFC. Like, I think the Cardinals are cute. And I think they're, you know, (laughs) like, and they could be in the mix. Like, like, I think the Cardinals will have a handful of wins that are like, damn respect, but they're not this like powerhouse in their conference. And so like, I think they could fall short of those expectations and and they love to really hype what they're doing up. And I think, you know, the, the cliff effect will really start to wear off if they miss the playoffs again. And the thing with with the Cardinals is not like they've been this offensive powerhouse. Really, the the calling card of the Cardinals this past season was the defense. The defense has been the impressive thing for Arizona. Kingsbury's offense has not blown anybody away. He's 13, 18, and 1 in two years. And I agree, the same thing. Like I think you described it as the sand going down out of the hourglass with the rookie contract with Kyler Murray. You can't really afford to wait that long. That's a sneaky good pick by you. All right, what's your uh, what's your question? Well, I think you're up, stats, because I set up the the coaches being fired. So I don't I don't want to go out of turn here. I don't know all the rules on Jeopardy. I don't want to be put in like Jeopardy jail or anything. I mean, so it's so it's it's your turn. I just I want to be clear. Okay, I'm up next. This man will be the first starting quarterback to get benched by his head coach. Ooh, I was equally excited for this one. We turned really negative really fast. <laughs> Who is Derek Carr? Wow. Yeah. I and to be clear here, we have to we have to use like real quarterbacks, right? Like we can't say like Ryan Fitzpatrick. But De- I mean Derek Carr is is floating on that line, man, and he's been floating on it for a long time and a lot of that's really unfair to him, but like it's just it's kind of time. I mean, Derek, do you know Derek Carr was drafted 7 years ago? You know what I mean? Like and he's still this like average to kind of good quarterback like at best and I mean you talk about like hourglass running out it's running out on Derek Carr I mean we're in what year four of John Gruden with the Raiders and like the the improvement had like what what like percentage of improvement has there been like 30 percent overall 
I mean, maybe, you know, from, from the time he took over and, and yeah, they had to strip apart the team and collect all the draft capital and everything. And like, I mean, the, the part of the issue here in terms of Derek Carr for him and his sake is that his backup is one of the better ones in the NFL. And so like, and he's a really tempting backup. You know what I mean? Like it's, he's, he's a, a spicy thing. It's like, you're sitting there thinking like, you know, well, you know, honey, what's for dinner? And she says, well, we, we've got grilled chicken, you know, like I've got it in the oven, you know, baking it if you want. It's in the corningware dish. Or we could go pick up like, you know, insert like whatever is your favorite thing. And you're like, that's my favorite thing. Like, I, I want to go get that. And that's that's the problem. here. Nice corningware reference. I like that. Yeah, that's my deal. <laughs> Derek Carr. I didn't realize this. Derek Carr threw for more than 4000 yards, 27 touchdowns and nine picks last year. That's not a bad year at all. But when you said Derek Carr, I was like, oh, you might be right. But it's so like hollow. You know what I mean? Like there's there's no like oomph to it. And so that's the and like I think unfortunately for Derek Carr, like narrative works against him more than it does anybody else. And he doesn't help himself in that oh, way. God, no. Um and, and so, you know, maybe you, you don't want to say unfortunately for Derek Carr, but I, I think it will it will get it will get rough and he won't make it easier on himself, and then it will just happen. I agree. And I think also what works against Derek Carr is we're waiting for him to be the quarterback that we saw last year against the Chiefs. Like we want him to be that guy all the time. Be aggressive. Go downfield. He has a really strong arm, but I feel like the mentality that he brings, he doesn't always bring that super aggressive mentality. And so he's always kind of like teasing you. And I think eventually you run out of patience for something like that. And your, your best point is your last point. What's behind you and how tempting is it? Because my answer to this uh, is whoever wins the quarterback competition in New Orleans, because I don't think either Taysom Hill nor Jameis Winston is any good. The problem is there's that other guy that's going to be sitting there. If they start Jameis and he keeps throwing picks like he always has, Sean Payton's going to want to take the car out of the garage, right? He's going to want to give it the reins to Taysom and let's see what he can do. On the flip side, If Taysom wins and he just isn't working out and can't go through the reads, he knows he's got Jameis Winston back there, you know, former high draft pick, a guy that can throw a bunch of touchdowns. It's going to be too tempting for Sean Payton. So stats, this particular category to me, um, you're How I Met Your Mother fan? No, never. Well, not not an anti-How I Met Your Mother, just haven't seen it. You haven't seen? Okay, there's an episode where Marshall, who's played by Jason Siegel, um, his is talking about the best burger that he's ever had in New York city. And he had it once when he like first moved to the city, he like stumbled into this restaurant, he ate and it was like incredible. And so the whole episode, the gang is like on the path, like, well, the the restaurant used to be here. And so they go to the restaurant. It's like not there anymore. So I asked somebody on the street, like, where's this restaurant? Oh, it's over on like 82nd street or whatever. I don't never been to New York city. So like, I don't know what the streets are called, but <laughs> like, and so they go there and it's not there, but so they, they like end up having like six different burgers. And every time Marshall bites into the burger, burger he's like no it's not it this isn't it and some people are like this is a really great burger it's like no it's not it like that burger was something special and like that to me is how john gruden will feel about marcus Mariota, and how sean payton will feel about the opposite quarterback it's it's uh-huh. it's this like never-ending search for what was like the like the nirvana in your mind and it, it's it's not even like it was circumstantial right like you can't recreate those moments sometimes a burger's just really great because it was really great in that moment and so like that's the thing like john gruden and sean payton are two dudes who are always chasing that rabbit tail one of the best burgers i've ever had in my life came in new york city came out of a cart because i was starving and it was the first cheeseburger i ever ate in my life i was so hungry i just was like i need food Guy took you know the greasy cart. It was dripping with grease. It's like the best thing I ever ate. So did, I, did you I just say it was the first cheeseburger you ever ate in your life? Is that what you just said? Yeah, I was like six years old. Oh, that's okay. <laughs> okay. Let's. I was just making sure here. Let's let's let let's let people learn about you stats. How do you eat your burgers? Like your your ideal burger has what on it? Cheese. What kind of cheese? Like you got to be detailed here. I mean, any kind of cheese. Throw it out as long as it's not cottage. I'm good. That's a fair point. But pepper jack is the answer we're looking for. And cheese, onions. I like a, a fried egg on my burger. Okay. Potato chips. Okay. And no lettuce, some... tomato, mustard, yeah. mayo. Like, I mean. You can add lettuce and tomato if you want, but it's not essential. I mean, let's be honest. It's a burger. I, I'm got... not, the shred of lettuce does not save the calories that I'm piling on this thing. I've got no issue with the burger you've assembled here, but I just, I will say, not necessarily appreciating your lack of appreciation for detail associated with burgers. That's okay, you know? 
Yeah, I'm a simple man. What can I say? All right, you're up. All right, stats. This playoff team in 2020 will miss the postseason the following year in 2021. Okay, I wanted to pick on the Bears again, because, but I thought that was too easy. So okay. I'm not going to pick on the Bears. I already said Nagy's going to be the first to get fired. I hate to do this, but I really think it's going to be the Cleveland Browns. Who are the Cleveland Browns? Mm. I don't know that they know how to deal with success. They haven't had to deal with success in basically 20 years. Baker Mayfield is at his best when he's in a corner, when the dogs are at the door. Now right. he's not dealing with that. They're coming off a playoff year. He's the quarterback that broke that. They could burn that jersey with all the names now because he broke the streak. There's more film out on Kevin Stefanski now. You know, it. you can have success for a year on offense. It gets a lot tougher when people have a year to study you. We even seen that with Lamar Jackson. I love the Browns, and I really want them to be good. But they're in a loaded division, a loaded conference. And I think you could make an argument that it's tougher to make the playoffs two years in a row in the NFL than it is to go from missing the playoffs to into the playoffs. There's nothing wrong with what you've said. I agree with you. Um, it sucks because I, I think everybody likes the Browns. I think a lot of people, not including me, have adopted the Browns as kind of their like, you know, sort of cute little team on the side. I I went a different way here. I thought it would be easy to pick the Washington football team the way you thought it would be to pick the Chicago Bears. I know there's a lot of you here in this Benation NFL show that believe in Washington as a team. Let me tell you, as somebody, the, the NFC East is my house, and I can tell you <laughs> they're a joke. All right. I mean, they're not a joke, but like the idea of them returning to the NFL is, is ridiculous or returning to the, the playoffs, not the NFL. It's a, that's a whole different thing. Anyway, um, my answer, and this actually feels kind of easy too. So I don't feel like a whole lot of pride here. Who are the Pittsburgh Steelers? I mean, the Steelers Ooh. are, I, I think that they are like sometimes, and this happens a lot in professional sports in general. We like fall in love with who teams have been and we assign that to who they still are. And sometimes they still are that, right? Like, and the Steelers have managed to still be that for a very long time to their credit. But dude, the Steelers are this, like they, they are, they're the little piggy that built their house out of straw. You know what I mean? Like it is going to fall apart at like the first blow of the wind. And I, I mean, that defense is really good and it's going to prevent them from like totally cratering. But I think the Steelers are a unique team and this doesn't exist with the Bears where if they start to lose, dysfunction and losing are very foreign to that organization. And when that happens, people turn inward and it, and then the, like it, it almost sets up for a greater fall because they're not used to it. And then, and then like you could just like I talked about really seeing the Matt Nagy press conference. You could see Mike Tomlin like in December when they're like, you know, four and 10. And it's just like, what is, oh, you know, what, what happened this year? And he has that like kind of snap moment that some coaches have. Like, what do you think happened? We showed up. We tried to play. We've been losing. We don't like losing. This is, this is Pittsburgh, you know, blah, blah. blah. And then, then that like clip gets played a billion times. Stats plays it on the daily because he's so great and everything. Like that, <laughs> that, that will happen. Like that can totally. And, and then it will, Ben Roethlisberger is doing something we've seen far too long in the NFL. He's holding on too long. And this, unfortunately, is the season where it is all going to come crashing down. If they didn't have the incredible defense that they had, I would have been totally on board. I think that Ben is still good enough now that it it made me worry. I puckered up a little bit. I did consider the Steelers, but everything you said is true. And, I mean, if the Ben that we see in 2021 is the guy we saw down the stretch in 2020, they're in trouble. I mean, they were throwing passes like, two yards past the line of scrimmage. Like, that's not going to get it done. They don't have any real dependable ground game that they can depend on. I There's not a lot to like in Pittsburgh. I totally agree. And I, I kind of like the Steelers, but right now, I mean, it's as bad as it's been in some time in Pittsburgh. A sneaky third choice, and also, again, not difficult, but who are the Seattle Seahawks? Uh, I know that will make you Ooh. happy. That that team is really bad. Like, it's a it's a really bad team that has a really great quarterback, who has a seemingly really bad relationship with the team as a whole. And so, you know, again, you could kind of see that like mid-November, they're struggling and and then Seahawks fans reach this point of like, because Russell is in this like stratosphere beyond any Seahawk ever. Seahawks fans reach this point like, you know what, man, I hope, I hope Russell leaves. You know, he deserves better than this. You know what I'm saying? Like that, that will happen and, or could happen. And so like, the Seahawks kind of a sneaky team, you know, to be in this category as well. Play in the toughest division in the NFL, as you know. Still, I think the second best team overall in it because Arizona's third. 
I mean, how can you just say Arizona's <laughs> third as you ragged on them earlier in the show? Because I believe that little in the 49ers. I'm sorry. You're you're so dead wrong on them. But anyway, let's keep going. Uh, next question. This was one of your questions. At this point in the regular season, the final undefeated team will lose. This is purely a guess, obviously, but I just wanted to be right. When is week 13? Somebody always gets Whoa. To, somebody always gets to double digits. You know what I mean? Like generally speaking, and then they'll have their bye. You know, you kind of see them around Thanksgiving, and then that's when the, the talk starts to, to start, and then boom. I mean, it, it was right after Thanksgiving that Pittsburgh lost last year. I think it's going to be week nine, the halfway point. I just, I think there's too many good teams. I don't see one team, like the Chiefs are really, really good, but are you telling me they're miles above everybody else in the AFC? I don't think so. I don't think Tampa Bay is head and shoulders above everybody in the NFC. I think if you replay the last year's playoffs right now, you get a totally different result. So I don't think that there's a dominant team out there. And so, yeah, you know, we'll have some teams start 4-0, 5-0, but by the time we get to halfway, especially with the extra game now, I wonder if if coaches are going to be more conservative with playing time on guys. I think that we'll see everybody lose by halfway through the season. All right, Stats. One NFL game will be decided by this costly rule that will enrage football fans everywhere. There's only one answer. What is the touchback rule? Ball going through the end zone touchback that that is the rule it it pops up seemingly once a year every year no one can explain it no one really likes it and yet it exists correct me if i'm wrong you defended the rule with blg on the oddcast this past season you yes. thought you, you're you're saying so why who like you're the one who likes it then that's you, like you said nobody likes it you like it I don't like it, but it to me, I understand. Like it's consistent. People always say, "Well, why when you fumble? Why, why is it a right. touchback? If you fumble everywhere else, it's not a." T- well, the end zone is different. If you go to the end zone, you get six points. It's just different than other parts of the field. So I'm not. I I just think that people's criticism of the rule doesn't hold up. So I no, I don't know if I've ever told you this stats. I live my life by a certain creed. I call it the purple pants rule. Have I ever explained this to you? No. (laughs) So the purple pants rule is really, again, like a philosophy or a philosophical approach to life. If you have a job, we both have a job here, and your job says, stats, we want you to work for us. We'll pay you this, whatever. We'll give you this, whatever, blah, blah. Um, Here's your contract. And within the contract, it says you cannot wear purple pants to work on Wednesdays. That's a stupid rule, right? Like you can look at it and you can be like, this is ridiculous, right? But then you say to yourself, like, but I want this job. And so I'm prepared to like abide by this contract. And so as stupid as that rule is, if you wear purple pants to work on Wednesdays, who's who's wrong? Like who's the real stupid person? You are because you knew the rule, you violated it. And so like in that spirit, I agree because you know the rule near the end zone, right? The only like slight difference of detail here is like I don't like punishing players for wanting to be great. And and this does that to me because this is like you're you're trying to be Herculean, you're trying to to reach, you're trying to go above and beyond, and that like I think Des Bryant was a victim of that with, with his catch, like he was trying to do too much instead of just securing the the, the catch in, in its truest form. But I I don't want to punish players for trying to. That's why we watch because these are players and people who are capable of doing things physically that we can't, and so I want to encourage that. And so I wish the rule would change so that I wouldn't have to be contradicting myself in my purple pantsness. I, you know what, that is a good argument because not many people are capable of hauling in that catch that Des made and then scoring on that play. And I want to see the guys that are capable of it try and make those plays because you're right. That's what makes the enjoyment of the sport. So that is a fine argument by you. I give you credit. (laughs) That is the only good argument that I have heard in that case. Okay, how about this? This is an easy one. This man will be the 2021 NFL MVP. So before I answer, MVP is a really tricky award. It People think it isn't, but like you have to be a face of the NFL. You generally have to be a quarterback and you have to be on a team that has a lot of success in that particular season. And you have to have like a great story about you. And like Aaron Rodgers, for example, had the story of like battling the Packers, drafting Jordan Love, whatever. And so in that vein, I have to do it, Stats. Who is Rain Dakota Prescott? I mean, Dak coming back, like 
I think clear favorite for comeback play of the year right now. Like that's a whole different thing. Uh, even though the NFL makes up the rule for like how that award is, is you know, doled out every year. But I mean, Dak plays for the Dallas Cowboys. We both think the Cowboys will have a lot of success or enough success to, to warrant MVP consideration. Dak was clearly on pace for, I don't, I, I really, I, I know you said it. I don't totally agree with all the people like he was going to throw for 5,000 yards. Like that wasn't sustainable. Like they, they were in this like, crazy time and their defense was so bad but I mean some of that helps um, but the whole point being I think the Cowboys will have success I think Dak Dak is so, like Dak has had such a transformation in terms of the national media where he's now like rooted for almost by every you know every non-Cowboys fan loves Dak Prescott they might hate the Cowboys but they recognize and respect who Dak is and so I, I think he is a heavy favorite for this outside of your normal like Patrick Mahomes's and things like that. That is exactly who I picked. Like, to me, it was pretty obvious. And you're right. Winning the MVP is about narrative as much as it's about numbers. And Dak has it. It's all lined up for him. Everybody likes him. He finally got paid. He's, he's on America's team. He's going to be in primetime a bunch, which is a big factor, too. You have to play well in primetime games. And I know Dak always gets a Thanksgiving game, but he's going to get other games, too. I think the Cowboys are going to light it up this year on offense. I don't know what's going to happen on defense, but like you said, I think that feeds into him having to throw the ball consistently. To me, it's Dak. We're not going to want to give it to Aaron Rodgers again. We get bored sometimes with right. like greatness from players. Rodgers just got it. Mahomes already has his. Lamar Jackson has his. I think Josh Allen was my runner-up. Me too. But Dak has a better narrative. I think Josh Allen... that. I prepared two answers for all these questions. No big deal. Uh, just so that we didn't have any runovers. But... Where just, you're, I think that's a, such a great point is that people get bored. And so that's why the award doesn't always go to like, it's the same reason why like Tom Brady doesn't win MVP every year. LeBron James doesn't win MVP every year. Bill Belichick doesn't win coach of the year every year, things like that. And so in that respect, I mean, if the overwhelming likelihood, obvious, obviously it's a certainty that Dak Prescott's going to have a significantly better season in 2021 than he did in 2020. But the overwhelming likelihood, as much as I love Josh Allen, as much as I love the Buffalo Bills, is that he will have some sort of aggression statistically. I mean, he, he cannot play at that level and that will hurt because when you're in the MVP consideration, it's always, well, he's not even playing better than he did last year, right? And so right. like, it's, it's hard to award that over somebody else. Do we have any sneaky... I, I mean, it's, it's hard to come up with a third person outside of Mahomes to me um if it isn't Josh Allen I suppose again because it's not going to be Aaron Rodgers it's not going to be Tom Brady I would argue that I mean Carson Wentz is like a super wild card pick if you want if you like odds uh, I think Justin Herbert's in the mix um and I I think the narrative if the Seahawks have success it's Russell Wilson because like Russell has made it all about himself. And so like, if they have success then it is clearly Russ cooking and all that stuff. And so those are the other two outliers, I think. Yeah. I Herbert is good, especially in year two. We've seen a bunch of quarterbacks in year two win the MVP. So it's not like, Oh my God, it's out of the question. And with Russ, he still has that narrative where he's never gotten a single vote for MVP. So that is a strong push in his favor. Uh, yeah. I think he's more likely to win the MVP if he changes teams, believe it or not, because I still don't know that Pete Carroll's going to let him throw it around as much as he wants to. Whereas if he were to change teams and then they just go nuts, chucking it all over the place, then like he vaults to the top of the list for MVP. 2022 MVP, Russell Wilson. It's hard to write here from stats. Okay. Um, okay, stats. Let's keep it kind of MVP focused in a different way. Um, we don't talk a whole lot of fantasy here. We leave that to the professional Kate, obviously, here on the SB Nation NFL show. Uh, but the people that draft this player in their fantasy football drafts will win their league. So kind of a, a pseudo fantasy MVP, if you will. I When I did this last night, I made a mistake because I only thought in terms of quarterbacks, which now I'm seeing is a huge mistake. But the person I wrote down is Matt. Who is Matthew Stafford? Because I think he's going to go bananas with the Rams. I think once Sean McVay gets a taste of life with Matt Stafford and he sees this dude launching the ball all over the place, he's going to fall in love with it. They don't have a thrilling ground game with the Rams. Todd Gurley is not there anymore. Stafford's going to be the guy. They gave up a truckload of assets to go get him. And I think Sean McVay, talk about letting somebody cook. I think Matt Stafford's going to be like, this is what it's like with a real coach. And McVay's going to say, this is what it's like with a real quarterback. And he's going to put up monster numbers. And he's going to have to in a very tough division, like you said. Have you ever seen The Chef Show on Netflix with Jon Favreau? 
No. There's a movie um, that he did called Chef. And, I've seen uh, that. Right. Well, the, he, he learned from a chef, like, you know, to like how to act for that and stuff. And he just kind of fell in love with the process of cooking. And so uh, Chef Roy is his name. And so they have a Netflix show where they like cook different things and they go to different places. It's really, really cool. I'd certainly recommend it. Uh, but like my wife and I really like it. And every time they cook, they're always in these like badass kitchens, like <laughs> these like <laughs> gourmet, like 18 burners and like all these, like all the bowls are like, you think like you're watching it, like we have that, like, you know cheap crabby plastic one that we do for everything you know what i mean it's really and like that's matthew stafford like you talk about cooking like sean mcveigh's like we set you up this kitchen you know what i mean and it's like it's like all brand new like fresh out of the box and like this the the like silt there the like plastic wrap still on they have to peel it off and everything uh i like that but for the purposes of, of like this fantasy purpose, I also went a different direction in that like people will say like Christian McCaffrey, they'll say like the hot names. I went a little bit under the radar, not super under the radar. David Montgomery. We've talked about the Chicago Bears. Whoa. Do you know where he finished last year in terms of running back rankings? In in conventional standard leagues. He finished as RB six on the wow. season. Yeah. And so like Everyone again, he'll be there. Like he'll be kind of in your your queue. He'll be, you know, a lot of people will know his name, but that's the dude. Like because they're, they're going to be constant. Like they're going to be crap, but they're going to be constant. And <laughs> and David Montgomery is one of the only dudes who like can get in the end zone on the Bears. Allen Robinson's going to be frustrated. Andy Dalton's going to hand it off to him. David Montgomery, RB six, going to be RB one next year. It's going to be awesome. Wow, that is a wild card pick by you. I I would never have guessed that in a million years. My only counter to that is that the Bears are going to be trailing by so much so often that they're going to take the ball out of his hands a little bit. Yeah, but they're going to suck. I mean, that's the Bears' way. I do have a, 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 a small kind of wild card answer. Who is Austin Eckler? And I believe that the Chargers are going to air it out, obviously, because they're no longer going to suck themselves. And Austin Eckler... Maybe the best receiving back in the NFL outside of Christian McCaffrey. I mean, so if if you're in a PPR league, Austin Eckler, watch out. The only thing with Eckler, and I agree, I think he could be really productive, is his health. I worry about him staying on the damn field because he seems to be hurt every year. I mean, last year he played 10 games, but he still had almost a 1,000 yards from scrimmage. Like, the dude puts up numbers when he gets in there. I just hope he stays on the field. Yeah. I know. I had Austin Eckler on my team. I had both of these running backs on my team, so Nobody I'm really just cares. trying to make myself feel better. Um, so, whatever. Uh, stats, finish us off. Final question. And I don't understand this question, so you have to explain it to me. An <laughs> NFL fan base will see their team fall dramatically short of expectations they had for the group in April 2021. How is this difficult to comprehend? Like, every NFL team's fan base has expectations for what the season's going to look like. And so, like, that team's going to fall short of them. Do you want to go first? Do you want me to go first? Why did you mention April? That just threw me off. Because we're in April. Like, that's the the moment that we're in right now. Like, that, the expectations that exist in April. Because expectations will change. Expectations will will change after the draft. Like, the Jets, the Jets' expectations right now are tempered. But the moment that that quarterback is drafted, and even though they they have all likelihood it's going to be Zach Wilson, it changes. That's just the reality of it. And so, I guess I'll go first. Um, I was going to say the San Francisco 49ers, but I think that you might be like the most irrational one out there. Um, so <laughs> so um, I don't know, but I will say stats and this sucks, but who are the Tampa Bay Buccaneers? Uh, because I think that bringing everybody back, it's this idea of like, it's going to be the same. And they, they had the least amount of games lost due to injury last year. They also had, and I don't want to take anything away from their, their season or their success, but they also had the easiest path to the, like through the playoffs. They played Washington. They played New Orleans and in a rundown Drew Brees. Respect on going to Lambeau and beating Aaron Rodgers. Respect on beating Patrick Mahomes in the Super Bowl and destroying the Chiefs overall. Like nothing away from that. But 50% of their postseason run were these like fluke games against crappy teams. And the the probability of those stars lining up again is so low. And and for them, their expectation is so different than everybody else and that they're probably expected to repeat. And so like it's just so easy to assume that they're going to fall short of those. Yeah, when you win the Super Bowl, you keep your starting quarterback, you keep your head coach, and you keep all 22 starters from that game. There's really only one place to go but down. You can't go any higher. Right. So I agree with you. Even if they go 12 and 4 or 13 and 3, if they don't win the Super Bowl, they failed to meet expectations. So that is an excellent pick by you. 
I don't want to, oh man, I don't want to rag on the Saints because I already did that and I kind of do that every week and I feel bad. I would say if I had to pick a team, I want to pick a team in the AFC because there's so many good teams there that I feel like they can't all live up to what I think they're going to be right now. I will pick the Buffalo Bills. If I had to, who are the Buffalo Bills? I, I kind of fall into the Josh Allen regression category. Like we haven't seen a quarterback make this massive improvement, especially in passing accuracy. Like we saw Josh Allen do this year. In fact, before this year, if you had told me, I would have said it's not possible for that to happen with a quarterback. Now, maybe, you know, the stars aligned and everything came together and, and he's, he gets it now. Like it clicked in, but I think the safer bet is that he's, he's going to regress a little. But I think if he regresses a little, that's going to be enough because I think the expectations in Buffalo this year, I mean, RJ, for sure, playoffs and and I think AFC championship game are the, are sort of where they're expecting to make a run. So I don't disagree with anything you're saying. Um, I, I, I think we both still believe in Josh Allen overall, but it's it's fair to assume that regression will happen. I think that we should do this now. I'm just like saying this now, so sorry. Um, I should have to pick an AFC team and you should have to pick an NFC team just for you know full posterity. And so I'll go ahead and go first because th- you got my gears turning. And I, I will say like, I don't want to do this, but who are the Kansas City Chiefs? Because they have had such a sustained level of success for two years. Something my dad has always told me, like when we watch football, is like it's so difficult to play at that level, like week in and week out, like consistently. Like at some point, you fall flat, and like that kind of happened in Kansas City in the Super Bowl. A lot of it was injuries, but like it's just it is humanly impossible to to be that on all the time. Like, at a certain point, it will end, and I just I I think like. That will they, they will regress I'm, and they'll probably still be they might win 10, 11 games, but it will be regression for them and the road will be bumpier. And, and it has been smooth sailing for the Chiefs over the last what now three years. And that's, you know, and, and I do think in a weird way, losing the Super Bowl and, and I don't mean this in a mean way, you can speak to this more than I can um, maybe creates higher expectations to fall from the following year because in your mind you're thinking okay we're going to get back and we're going to win it and it's it's like a decision in your mind and so when that doesn't happen it it feels like everything fell apart and broke it's crushing like after the 49ers lost the Super Bowl to the Chiefs I was like all right they won that game but we'll be back like yeah, I really all I gotta thought- do is I just gotta wait one more year I just gotta go through my birthday and Thanksgiving and Christmas one more time and then we win the Super Bowl so my birthday is January 11th which traditionally has been a playoff Sunday, which is awesome, by the way, to have everybody over your house to watch your team kick ass in the playoffs. It's like one of the best birthdays you could possibly have. That that had happened with the 49ers, and I was like, next year we'll throw a bigger birthday party. We'll do it again. <laughs> like, that was it. I'm a big birthday guy. Like, I make a big deal of my birthday and everybody's birthday. Um, and you, you're right. When you, when you don't win the Super Bowl and you, you, know, you get there and you don't win, you think next year you're going right back. And generally that doesn't happen. That's why the 49ers had a year off in between. And this year they're going to make the Super Bowl. Um, <laughs> I don't love this pick, but you already picked Tampa Bay. And that's the best one in the NFC. I'll go with Green Bay because I think Green Bay Ooh. is kind of on that Super Bowl or bust level, too, of expectation. And I feel like for the second year in a row, they haven't really made any improvements. Right. They've still they're still kind of the same team they always are, and they're putting a lot more on Aaron. Like it's all on Aaron Rodgers there, pretty much. And you know, if he doesn't throw forty eight touchdown passes, what are the Packers going to be? I'm not really sure. So I think that they have super high expectations. They have a lot of pressure on one guy, the starting quarterback, and they haven't really improved from last year. So if I had to pick a team that's not Tampa Bay, I might go Green Bay because they've been 13-3 and the past two years and in the NFC Championship game. I agree with this wholeheartedly. I think we kind of suck because we just picked the the four final four teams. You know what I mean? Like that that's super low-hanging fruit in that sense. So I will just throw two out quickly. Um, I think the Los Angeles Rams, just because like the, the Matthew Stafford trade and I don't want to bag on him either, but that has like that has that that has gotten Rams fans to where you are now, right? Okay, we had the off time, but we're back. You know what I mean? Like we're we're back, we're back on track. The Sean McVay era, you know, Prince McVay, whatever. It's all going to be great. <laughs> and I will also offer up on the AFC side the Miami Dolphins because 
what they did last year was so impressive. And I know they didn't make the playoffs, but people think, okay, this is the year. Like it all comes together, the plan, all the draft capital and everything. And I could see it just being funky again. Um, so those are two. I'll flip it very briefly, stats, because I know we have to get out of here. Give me somebody on the opposite end of the spectrum. Somebody who's, who's, you know, fans might be like, we weren't expecting this at all. This is awesome. Like we went, you know, 14 and three. Oh God, this could be such a record. Uh, but you know what I mean? Like that's, didn't, I didn't even think about that as like a numerical possibility. It's so gross. Ah, when, and, uh, when we did uh, the over-unders of BLG on Tuesday, it was messing with my brain. Cause you see like an over-under of nine. You're like, Oh, okay. But then you have to recalculate. Right. I have an answer, but I'll let you go first. Unless you want me to while you kind of figure this out. Uh, well, how much are we talking? Are we just talking about exceeding expectations or like ending up in the championship game? Exceeding expectations. Like, you know, so this is a team that right now I think, you know, the, its fans are like, whatever. But, you know, this, bring on the pain. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, they're, they're just, it's, it's, you know, it's kind of, it's like that burger. Like, you, you sit down at this, like, Actually, it's funny, uh, forgetting, I, I mentioned that episode as Jason Siegel in it. When I went and saw the movie Forgetting Sarah Marshall, I had no idea what I was going to. I was in high school, and my friends were like, let's go to this movie, and I had no clue. To, I just went because all my friends were, It was hilarious. You know what I mean? I was like, this movie is so awesome, but like, it massively exceeded my expectations because I really didn't have any. I'll go with the New York Jets. I think most Jet fans are sitting there saying, let's see how they screw this up. I think that that's their general philosophy is they don't care about the new coach. They've seen a lot of new head coaches. They've seen a lot of quarterbacks. You know, whoever they pick it to, probably Zach Wilson, that's what Sam Darnold was supposed to be. So they've been in this spot fairly recently. I don't think they buy it, but I think that they should. I think the arrow is pointing up. Robert Sala is a great coach. They have a really good offensive coordinator. They know how to build a team. Joe Douglas is incredible at acquiring draft assets and trading. I don't know if he's good at making picks, but damn, he's giving you a lot of bites at the apple. Everybody seems to be kind of crossing T's and dotting I's with the Jets for the first time in a while. I don't think they're going to make the playoffs next year, but I think they're going to be very, very good, and I would buy low on the Jets right now. So I have two things to say. One, I... I, well, I agree with you overall, but I disagree that I think Jets fans, I don't think any Jets fans like, let's see how they screw, they screw this up. I think every Jets fan saying like, hey, we're going to draft this rookie. It's going to take some time, but like the future is 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 bright, right? Like we've, we've gotten out, like we're, um, we're Andy Dufresne, like on the other end of the tunnel. But like, I think it could be a better, better than just like, okay season. And so in that sense, it is exceeding expectations. The other thing is to bag on the oddcast, which I have to do all the time. I think that we as fans do this. Um, we we look at people who leave our team and like them. We, we like we kind of take credit for them being great. And, and it is it serves like as a reflection on our team. And so in that sense, I don't know if you guys realize this. The oddcast like official team is the New York Jets. Because Joe Douglas came from the Philadelphia Eagles and Robert Sala <laughs> came from the 49ers. So now you and BLG are like, oh, yeah, the Jets have everything going on. They do things the right way. Like you guys have like subliminally started rooting for the Jets because of the teams you love and support. So, you know, just look at look at look in the mirror one day on the podcast is all I'm saying. Uh, but you said <laughs> I, you agreed with everything I said. I, I do. But I just think it's a, maybe it's a funny coincidence. But at the very least, it is that um, my answer for this. Who are the Minnesota? the Vikings the Vikings have mm. have come close and and they, they've actually had success and and I think they're flying under the radar which is part of what's involved here um and I think people look at their division and say that's that's the Packers and like we've both talked about how the Packers could you know kind of regress this season and the Vikings last year drafted like 10 cornerbacks I mean I'm joking but their secondary was so young I mean and they got Patrick Peterson now like I could see that defense like having this like whoa the, you know the Vikings defense is is for real now and then Kirk Cousins just kind of managing things like I, I could see the Vikings being a serious contender in the NFC. You can book Kirk Cousins now for like 4,000 yards and 30 touchdowns. He does it every year, and we don't like to give him credit for it, but that's what he has produced in his career. The defense really fell apart for Minnesota last year, which is surprising because Mike Zimmer is a good coach and a defensive head coach. I don't expect that to continue, and you're right. Like The only team in the division they really have to watch out for, obviously, is Green Bay. If they split with Green Bay... That's a that's a fun. No, they would take that, I think, right now, and then go to work on the rest of the schedule. I agree. Minnesota could definitely surprise some people, which I think would be nice because I really like the Minnesota Vikings uniforms. I 
agree with everything you said. Um, and I will go back to what we said earlier. If if they have legitimate success, they'd obviously have to have a little bit more. Kirk Cousins has the narrative juice to be in the MVP conversation because he is this like – and, and I mean that in a different way because he is this like – he's regarded as like you've said yourself. He's like a human sweater vest. Like because he has that like kind of stoic presence that everybody knows about him, he has the like you like that card in his bag obviously like he he has the the right like storyline you know what i mean like like when people look at movies they're like which character could be the lead like he he's capable of that and so just because like it's a different path than dak prescott or josh allen but he could conceivably be that weird mvp that everybody's like how did this happen it's like well it's kind of staring us in the face all along Stranger things have happened. A kicker has won MVP before. I'm just throwing that out there. That's going to do it for this edition of The Look Ahead. Please, again, rate, review, subscribe. If you haven't done it, please do it. It takes two seconds and makes a huge difference for us. So if you like what you hear, do us that solid. RJ, we are three weeks away from the NFL draft. I cannot wait. And we'll talk to you next week. What was a very good time. All right.